Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 6 through 11. A voice says, Cry out, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the, Lord, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on, go on high to a high mountain. Oh, sorry. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. The word of the Lord. Today's psalm is uh, Psalm 41. We will read responsively by whole verse. Blessed is the one who considers the poor and needy. The Lord should deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord preserves him and keeps him alive, that he may be blessed on earth and delivers him over to the hill of his enemies. The Lord comforts him when he lies sick upon his bed and restores him from his bed of sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful to me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. My enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if anyone comes to see me, speaks empty words, his heart sees falsehoods in All my enemies whisper together against me. Even against me are they devising evil. Indeed, even my own familiar friend, who I trusted, who also ate of my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. But be merciful to me, O Lord. Praise the young man, I shall repay By this I know you favor me, that my enemy does not triumph over me. When I am in health, you will behold me, and shall set me before your face Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, world without end. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our New Testament reading today is from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, let your hope fully on the grace of that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. 
knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He has foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, please stand. The Holy Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus continued, You have heard that it was said, to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, his rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Not even tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore must be perfect. Heavenly Father. God Almighty, have mercy. Speak to us this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Jay, thank you for letting me preach. It's always a, a blessing and an uh, honor. And I am very thankful, brother. Um, and this is an um, unexpected blessing because of the scriptures today. And God, I really pray I do a good job for you and for your people here. Um, it's been a difficult week or two for me. Because I had a um, very, 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 very close friend in Christ walk away from our relationship. He, he, he announced it to me, do not call me again. I will not read any more of your texts or your emails. Don't. Don't contact me again. Now, we're talking about somebody that I have walked with. Introduced this man. Let me tell you the first time I ever met him, and I'll explain to you why I loved him so much, despite himself. The very first time I ever met him was at church, and I had just come from my law practice, so I at, a, at that time, I kind of was working for a firm, and I had a, a, a nice suit on, and, 
And, and he says to me, I'm going to call him Mark. Mark says to me, just looks up to me, we don't know each other at all, but we're getting ready to meet for a men's group. And he looks at me and says simply this, I hate suits. Now I thought, now that is quite the introduction to, I'm just an early Christian or just beginning to be a Christian. And this is my first introduction to one of the leaders because he had just preached at a, uh, I don't know if it's, I think, yeah, he had already, I think he'd already preached at a, um, uh, uh, evangelical kind of uh, call to Christ and he was up there as one of the lay preachers and here I am out here and no smile no nothing I hate suits well God was good to me because he equipped me for this because I could honestly say back to Mark yeah I hate suits too so rather than taking offense, we immediately got off on, on this start of commonality. And years later, years later, we would joke about our introduction to each other and just how good God was for protecting us in the middle of what he later confessed was a very rude introduction. It didn't matter. God was doing something, knitting us together. And I can tell you, I remember there were times I literally carried him to, him to the emergency room. He was this up and down guy. Tommy and Ann know who I'm talking about. And, and if there was ever a guy up and down, a ping pong ball and a hurricane, it is Mark. And I loved him through it all. And he always said we'd be there for each other. But what that really meant, I was there for him. Because he was constantly breaking down. I mean, he was, just, he was just a mess of a guy, but also this guy who loved Jesus so much. And I always knew this, that if I needed anything, I could be halfway around the world and I knew he would come and help. And we'd always said, no matter what, we are more than brothers. We are linked together through God, through the Holy Spirit. We are spiritually brothers. And then last week, came to an end. Isn't that crazy? It's even more crazy when you realize it came to an end over silly things. Things that are not at all important in the kingdom. We have a difference of opinion on some political things. No big deal. I'm a pretty much a political guy. I didn't used to be, but I'm, I don't, politics are politics. Everybody gets to have them. Church, I, one of the proudest moments, I realize that maybe that's a wrong word, proud. One of the most important moments for me back in Pittsburgh, the last church I left, which, we, which God put together, it was, it was literally half Democrat, half Republican. We all got along and talked about serious things and I never could figure out why people couldn't talk. But uh, Mark didn't want to talk, he wanted to shout at me constantly, it seemed like. And, and finally I got to the point where I pushed back a little bit and that's when he responded to me that way. Now, I'm sure his story would be different. He'd probably say I was doing something to egg him on, but it, I was broken, I was shattered, I was stunned that we let things of this world destroy a relationship. He is, um, He has allowed things of the world to be more important than Jesus. All I can say. What else can you say when anything comes between us? And I started thinking, how did we get to this place? How in the world could two brothers who walked for decades together suddenly be, I don't care about if we're different in, I mean, we're very different people. 
that doesn't bother how did it get to the point where we could be so different on the things that mattered no it wasn't about things that mattered it were about things that didn't really matter in the eternals in the internal kingdom that separated us that broke into god's world and shattered something how did we get there and i started thinking about a topic that is kind of i start thinking about our theologies what we teach people and i started thinking about all the bad theologies that are out there and now some of you guys will remember this well and some of you all have no idea what i'm going to talk about well, maybe you do a little bit but boy for you younger folks you missed it in the 70s in the 80s okay the 70s and the 80s let's see really bad hair uh really really ugly formal wear you know don't ever look at a picture of your mom or dad if they got married in the 70s or the 80s you know uh the uh, cars chrysler k cars anybody remember that but do you remember k cars being covered with bumper stickers bumper sticker theology was big in the 70s and the 80s you put the bumper sticker on this represented new york i wanted to read some of the bad theology that existed back in those days uh, on bumper stickers. So these are just a few of the gems that now we can't kind of cringe upon. So the first one I got here says, I'm a good Christian. It says so on my bumper sticker. That's kind of like somebody that goes to, says, I'm part of the elect. I go to a reformed church. Oh, okay. Uh, this one right here has got Jesus Christ in the Coca-Cola script and it says, enjoy Jesus Christ. Thou shall never thirst. Are you, in, in a real small print, are you following Jesus this close? And here's one of my favorite ones, you probably can't see it, but remember the little fish that you spell on the car and on some shirts and apparel? This fish won't fry, will you? And, uh, and this one right here got to me personally, too blessed to be depressed. Oh, is that right? So, uh, for a guy dealing with depression, but when I told Karen I was going to preach on, on bumper sticker theology, and, and, I, and I showed her what I was going to be reading from, she says, well, what about, and I said, that's exactly the one I'm going to. And some of you all may know this one very well. And here's the ultimate bad theology bumper sticker. God is my co-pilot. You might remember that one? Now, why is that bad theology? And what has that got to do with today's readings and us here at Restoration Church? Everything. I want to tell you about bad theology and then bring in good theology as told by bumper stickers. Uh, Restoration Church, a restoration church plant. This is a, a seed dropped into the ground. And we are waiting the Lord and he is already begin to rise bring up out of the ground break out of the ground to shoot God's work is present all around us in this place for no reason other than the Holy Spirit God has brought people here and he has bound people here and he has been the only attraction we don't have a beautiful building or great programs but Jesus Christ is the attraction and that's sufficient. We, um, we have a work to do. And it's to serve the Lord as he raises up this little shoot called Restoration Church.
and we get to watch what he turns it into. What does it become? Now, in a lot of church world, uh, church world, that picture is already painted. We're going to paint a picture of this church building, and that's who we're going to be. But God has not seen fit to do it this way here. He has scrambled all of the things that men would assemble together to build a church, and all of a sudden we're sitting here watching what he might do. Because, as Jay and I have talked about so many times, we sure as heck aren't doing it. He brings people, he's putting people together. God is working at Restoration Church, building something on his own, and he wants to plan it with really good theology. I kind of hate to use that word because it sounds so academic, right? But it just means how we understand God, how we know God, what do we know to be true about God? And that's what he's doing here. The bad theology exists. That little bumper sticker is the reason why my friend and I, our friendship split. Because in major parts of the Christian world, God is my co-pilot. Well, if God is my co-pilot, what is the implication? That means I am the pilot. It means I get to choose. I am the guy driving, but God's my insurance policy. If you're in the back seat, guys, it's okay. Because if things go bad, God's here to take care of things. God is here. I'm a Christian. When things finally go bad, I'm going to go to heaven. Because I love him. Love who? What? That's a very common theology. You know, when I read Hebrews 11, and I was going to read it, but I don't want to take the time. Hebrews 11 is one of my very favorite passages of Scripture, the whole of the chapter. Hebrews 11 describes faith. And it describes it in a way that we're not used to hearing it. Oh, and we understand faith is something that we can't know for sure, but we, we really believe in it. No, that's not just what faith is. Faith is something we act upon without knowing the destination. You shall gather all of your goods together and go to that land I will take to you, he says to Abram. No triptych. Now oh, that's the 70s and 80s again. No, no computer in your hand. You'll go just where I send you. But Lord, I don't... Any good co-pilot, Lord, would not talk to the pilot. I'm not your co-pilot, David. Abram. Okay, well then you're the pilot, I'm the co-pilot. But any good co-pilot was going to know the destination. You know what God says to that. David, you're not my co-pilot either. I am the pilot. And there is no other. Do not confuse him. David... You're not even a member of the public buying a ticket to San Francisco. I'm asking you to board my train and follow me wherever I lead. The destination is mine. Hebrews describes that. Hebrews 11 is all about, we do not know 
what God is calling us to. And yet the saints of old followed the voice of God to where he had them to go. And it speaks about they could have turned around. They could have gone back to what they knew, but they did not because of faith. They trusted God wherever he would lead. And it goes on to say this. And they died without having received the promises, but still believing in the word of God, that he has a better place for them, that he has a city for them, a new place that they will inherit. And he, and they, and he is not ashamed to be called their God. Faith in action. You know what I have found over the years is it's real easy to have faith when the doctors have all finally given their final word. Someday I will hear this voice, David, I can't do anything else for you. And I will be in the same position that I've had so many other peoples before. And then I'm going to have a choice to be angry at God or to, or to plead with God. But instead, we got another choice, which is to say, thank you, Doc. And now thank you, Lord God, because... I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to meet my creator, my maker. I am ready to see Jesus face to face. This is not a matter of, oh no, I can't do anything else. So I guess I'll accept my fate. This is a matter of me fulfilling that everything that God's ever had for me. That's the Christian idea of faith. I can't wait to go home. I still got work to do here. You know, the uh, world, the church right now is really struggling with a conflict in the world. We are at odds. We all know that. Um, and it's really common for us to, in the church to say something like, the world does not understand what God is calling us to. But let me assure you, just as the greatest opposition to Jesus in the scripture was not the Romans or the tax collectors or the prostitutes, but the religious authorities. In the same way, the greatest obstacle to the word of Jesus are Christians who think God is our co-pilot. That he blesses the work I do in his name. And it's not true. I want to go to um, a couple verses out of 1 Peter that will hopefully put this into real context. Now, Peter, 1 Peter is, uh, Jay's working through it. It's a, it's a kind of hard work. You know what? It tells us that Jesus is not just this uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. He, He's kind of got demands upon a life. He wants us to do this and live this way. And in both of our readings today from uh, the, the epistle of 1 Peter and, and also from um, uh, the gospel reading from Mark is all about Jesus having something to say about how we live this day. And some, from 1 Peter, let me just read the very first verse. Therefore, preparing, remember, faith, Real Christian faith takes place in action. Therefore, preparing your minds for action 
And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that verse, it maybe doesn't make, it's not perfectly clear to you, but let me just say, it is the complete opposite of me buying an airline ticket in the, at the airport to San Francisco or LA or to wherever I might be wanting to get to. It sure as the heck is totally different than me buying an airline ticket, walking on the plane and knocking on the cockpit door and say, I'm here. What do you mean by that? I'm here to fly my plane to Chicago. Oh, is that right? It's different. That word of what we just read from 1 Peter is all about setting our mind up on the revelation God gives us about Jesus Christ. In other words, are we prepared to follow him? And what we're going to find is that if we follow Jesus, he is going to call us to places or to decisions or to actions that we're both surprised about and probably we will rebel against in some way. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the to the passions of your former ignorance. You know what? Preachers have got it made because we don't have to come up with hard words. The scriptures have them for us. All I got to do is read what the Bible says. Obedient children, not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. And I want to skip down to the last verse right before the psalm there is read. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. See, we're being remade God himself into his image if we will cooperate it may cause us to have to give some things up take up those things he has called us to take on all these people um, why are you so angry and then I come over to the gospel reading and Oh my gosh, folks, this gospel reading here is part of the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't used to like the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't like the Beatitudes because I didn't like being told that I was so full of zeal for Jesus that the last thing I needed was God to start telling me about what it looks like to have zeal for Jesus. True story, one day, many, many, many years ago, on fire for Jesus, I heard the voice of God in different ways. He talks to us, but I woke up one Sunday morning and I just knew I was supposed to read Romans chapter two, verse three. I was excited, I, this came to me, I knew it wasn't me, I knew it was of God, and I couldn't wait to read it, but I decided I was gonna wait till I got to church. And when I got to church, and I thought I was gonna say, oh, you mighty man of God, I thank myself for you, because what would I do without you, David? And I didn't say that at all. 
You know what it said? Romans 2, 3. I'm on my knees at church. I can't wait and I read it. It says this. And you, O oh men, who do the very same things as those you judge. Do you think you will escape the wrath of God? I spent that service on my knees in tears. Because as soon as I read it, I knew it was true. And my zeal for God, he had become and I was hurting people in the name of God. A little later on down the road, not that many years ago now actually, he also said, David, open up the Beatitudes. Um, and I started reading the Sermon on the Mount for the first time. Really? Starting with the Beatitudes. And as I read the Gospel, go through it very briefly because I'm almost done. As I go through the gospel reading here today, I'm going to refer back to the Beatitudes because they're tied together very, very closely. Got to find that first, dude. Uh, love your enemies. Simple word. But what I want you to think about as I read this again is the attitude we have too often now taken with our enemies. And this is a great moment here to speak of this, the second, just a moment about Restoration Church again. This little seed that's been planted in the ground and we're trying to understand what is God doing here. And one of the words that some, we sort of think in, through prayer and stuff, maybe we're, is God calling us specifically to the unchurched? Or to those who have rejected the church. It's one thing to grow by, you know, and God moves the pieces around to accomplish his will. But at what point do we really reach the unchurched? And, and the message then becomes, well, well, what is our message to the unchurched? What do we have to say to them? Why would they be attracted to anything we have to say? What is our message? And then, especially when we're all so different now. Karen and I have good friends who, um, he's a scientist at UVA, and he's got children at the age of Jason, his son. So back when they were younger, Mike, the husband, the father, looked at me one day finally and said, so, uh, hey, David, uh, what are you doing, church, anyway? Me and you as a Episcopal priest. He had no idea. No idea. What, what do I have to say to Mike? and Sally and those kids that have never been in a church. Hear the words of Jesus. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun to shine and the rain to come on all people. Um, love your enemies. I want to read just, just a few verses from the Beatitudes to show you that Jesus is being completely consistent. And what I came to understand about the Beatitudes is this. This is our posture in the world. If we're not the pilot and we're not even the co-pilot, and if I don't even have a ticket that says I'm on my way to Chicago, what in the world do I do 
Abram. And there's only one thing I know the answer to, is that as you spend your time on your knees, the one who does know, crying out to them. And this is what Jesus says. This is the posture of a Christian in this broken world where we don't know even how to approach these people. I'm going to go through it very briefly, uh, 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 shortening each one. But uh, So seeing the people, the crowds who were on the mountain and set down his disciples, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That was mine. Yeah. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. And then we come to this one he just referred to. And blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. Oh, about those perse- people who persecute us and hate us. Blessed are those of us who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my accounts. When Jesus uh, was in the garden, or he's taking his, he finished up the Last Supper and he's on his way to the garden, he said something really stunningly powerful. He said, now, finally, not the other day and not the other year, but now, today, the hour has come. The hour has come. The Father can be glorified and the Son to be glorified. And, and what did that our brain? Jesus' utter, complete, total submission to his Father who is in heaven. Abba, this is really hard. If it would be your will, then I would let this cup pass from me. But I love you so much, and I love this people so much that not my will be done but yours and the holy spirit comes and strengthens him and he goes and on the cross what does he have to say to the crowd to a, not a single person there had a single thing against jesus christ on the cross and yet they all mocked him he's bleeding he's bruised he's battered they're hating him and what does he say hanging on this cross to this crowd of people that just despise him for some unknown reason. Father, to them, they don't know what they're doing. Father, Almighty God in heaven, forgive us. Because still all too often we don't know what we're doing. But Lord God, would you call this, this day, as you nurture the seed in this ground, would you help us to be like that seed? Indeed, God, may we be that seed. Because, Lord, we don't always know what we're doing. And, Lord, we really have tried. And, Lord, we didn't mean to make you a co-pilot. It, it just seemed the right. It just, it just, God, have mercy. 
And will we become more like Abram and you more like God? And Lord, would you help our life to be shaped after the Christ on the cross? Would you help us to look out upon people who do not know you? And rather than having any judgment or any, anything in our heart other than love, God, would you replace that with love? First for you, and then for the world, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.